Hey folks, it's Dr. Gersmar with Aspire Natural Health coming back at you with another podcast today. I am pleasure, I have the pleasure of introducing someone I met a little ways ago. I was so intrigued by her story and her ability to take a really tough situation and use it in what to me seems a very transformative way um, and really a big story of, of taking lemons and, and making something good out of them, although we had a joke before uh, we started recording that lemons are actually a completely man-made fruit, so lemons are sort of something we've done to ourselves, um, <laughs> which ties in with her whole issue. Uh, she's dealing with with an autoimmune disease, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about it, um, but as we know, autoimmunity a large piece of it is it's something we as a society, as a, as a humanity, have done to ourselves by um, a lot of the changes that we've made. So, everyone, I'd like to introduce Chanel. She's uh, with, uh, has the blog known as A Day in the Life of the Tube-Fed Wife. Hello. Uh, so welcome <laughs> and thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So absolutely. I think the easiest thing is, um, can you just... Tell us a little bit about your story, and we'll start there. Yeah. Um, you know, my story's kind of long, so I always kind of give a nutshell version. Sure, sure. I've got kind of a lot going on, but um, I was just a really healthy, like, adolescent. Did, mm-hmm. gy- did gymnastics for, like, 16 years. A mm-hmm. um, couple jobs in high school, just, like, smooth sailing, you yeah, know? Yeah. And uh, shortly after high school, um, before I was supposed to go off to college, after, like, you know, my gap year that's mm-hmm. now popular with millennials. Right, right. <laughs> Um, I just kind of started feeling weird and like out of nowhere got diagnosed with just like a heaping help of autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, my diagnosis, like I said, came on really fast. It was like one week I was fine. The next week my hair was falling out. I couldn't get out of bed. Mm. I was swollen in pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I was officially diagnosed with, um, systemic sclerosis Mm -hmm. and lupus, Okay. Um, so systemic sclerosis is, like I said, they're both, like you talk about, they're both autoimmune diseases. Right. Um, but systemic sclerosis essentially means your body overproduces collagen. Right. And so basically my organs and skin and blood vessels filled up with scar tissue. Right. Which basically means nothing can work. <laughs> right. Right. Not, so, not supposed to yeah, be doing Yeah, exactly. That, right? It's kind of yeah. like taking an IV full of concrete and right. expecting your body to still do stuff. And right. that's just not going to happen. Right. Um, and so, and then lupus, of course, which is kind of more known, a little, much less rare than systemic sclerosis. Right. Um, just basically causes widespread inflammation, organs everywhere. Just, you're just kind of, just too much is happening in your body and it's attacking itself. Right. So lupus is kind of, um, it's known as the great imitator is one of its names because um, with other autoimmune diseases, many of them are very focused. So you can have autoimmune, you know, a common one that a lot of people have heard about is Hashimoto's, a very kind of Mm -hmm. specifically the, the immune system attacking the thyroid, or there can be IBD inflammatory bowel disease where the, the, uh, the immune system is very specifically attacking the digestive tract in right. particular. And many of the autoimmunities are more specific. Lupus is one that is more generalized. It can really target almost anything in the body, which is what makes it such a such a bad one. It can even target things like your heart, for example, which is really not something you can afford to <laughs> yes. you know, have a lot of autoimmunity against. And systemic sclerosis is definitely a rare uh, yeah. a rare autoimmunity and so just to back up what she said it's you know your body starts filling in uh f- kind of from the inside out with scar tissue and um just in the same way that a cancer is a problem because normal healthy functioning tissues of your body begin to be replaced by non-functional tumor in the same way Scar tissue is important and we all need it to heal wounds and everything, but it needs to stay in the right place. And when it starts to spread and replace other healthy functioning tissues, uh, different systems of your body don't work so well. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. um 
it's an unfortunate it's one of those things like you said lupus kind of can deal with anything right systemic sclerosis is kind of the same way mm-hmm. but it's a very specific malfunction mm-hmm. whereas lupus is kind of like an explosion of stuff right and systemic sclerosis is just like it can happen to any body part but it's very specifically that collagen overload right um and so mine um mine pretty quickly took over my digestive system mm-hmm. so within the first couple years of diagnosis i was mm-hmm. on a feeding tube because mm-hmm. my um you know, pretty much all the way from the esophagus to the colon was just scar tissue. Mm. So I couldn't, couldn't absorb nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would get stuff lodged in my esophagus because mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it just, it's, it's paralyzed. Right. Um, cause it's basically just a PVC pipe at this right. point. Right. It's really tiny. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't really eat or drink. Um, I get it all through a tube that was surgically placed in my abdomen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, same kind of thing with the lungs. When your lungs fill up with scar tissue, they can't kind of do that inflate, deflate. They can't get the blood into the oxygen. Right. Um, your diffusion capacity just kind of tanks. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that the leading to being on oxygen, pulmonary mm-hmm. fibrosis, pulmonary hypertension. So mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. the one disease kind of made all these other diseases um right within a couple years i ended up with even more autoimmunity Mm. like they said it was like a bag of potato chips you can't have just one (laughs) (laughs) right so i ended up with vasculitis from Mm -hmm. the lupus Mm -hmm. and i ended up with um not an autoimmune disease but an autonomic nervous system disorder called postural orthostatic uh Uh, tachycardia syndrome right pots Uh, pots um, from mm -hmm. the from the nerve damage from the scleroderma so Mm -hmm. it's kind of once you have these autoimmune issues everything just kind of goes to hell right right yeah so, <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah pretty much so obviously um if you don't mind me asking yeah. how old are you now i just turned 25 in august okay yeah so i was diagnosed um at tw- like I, I had just turned 20 right so this month october is actually my like diagnosis anniversary mm. so i've had it for five years mm-hmm. um and it's it's unfortunately just been a really treatment resistant case a lot of um, autoimmune diseases people are able to keep pretty well controlled right um but unfortunately systemic sclerosis kind of like you were comparing it to cancer it's Mm -hmm. really like a mastocyte cancer Mm -hmm. it's through your body Mm -hmm. it's not somewhere they can really like irradiate it's just it's widespread and so they treat it just like cancer actually i went Mm. through nine months of chemotherapy Mm. um and i'm actually next month having a bone marrow transplant oh um as part of a clinical trial, they're now starting to use them for poor prognosis autoimmune diseases. Right, right, right. Um, and so, you know, it's um, it, it's just that specific autoimmune disease, unfortunately, is just really, really hard to control. Sure. And so I've failed just about every treatment I've ever been on. And so we're now kind of, you know, the big guns with this clinical trial and mm-hmm. seeing if that can hopefully prolong my life a little bit. Okay. So it's a hard question, but what's your prognosis right now? So when I was diagnosed, they told me I'd be pretty lucky to see 10 years. Okay. Um, so at 20, that means I'd be pretty lucky to see 30. Yeah. Um, and then kind of as things went on, it was, oh, well, now you have this, so maybe chop off a couple years. Well, now you have this, so maybe take off a couple years. So, I mean, you know, it's it's not it's not a, it's a, not a horribly long prognosis, I'll right. be honest with you. Right, right. Um, but... I mean, like, I know this sounds really cheesy, but no one is guaranteed a super long life. Yes. And I don't pay a lot of weight to my prognosis Mm -hmm. because there are so many um, advances in medical science, Mm -hmm. um, as well as I just don't see why focusing, why I would focus on that because it would ruin the now, you know? Right. So it's it's definitely, it's not a long prognosis. um, But uh, surprisingly, you learn to live without having that. Right. Kind of be that overcast shadow all the time. Well, I think if you don't, then you sort of stop living. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, I remember when my mom, so my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer, which is the most kind of widespread cancer, when it's the most widespread. And she was given a poor prognosis that uh, maybe a couple of years, maybe. And I remember driving home with her in the car and she was saying, all I I can think about is that I'm going to die. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, it's completely understandable. And, but, you know, one of the conversations was like, yes, but right now you're still alive. Yeah, exactly. Right? I, I think that's, I think that's the hardest part of like getting a diagnosis like that is right. a lot of patients can get caught up in that, okay, well, why am I even trying? I'm just going to die. Right. But the truth is, 
we are all born to die. Right. Some of us are just kind of in the fast lane. Right. Um, and so that honestly just gives me a reason to live more mm-hmm. and to not focus on that so I can live in the now and kind of enjoy what I can do presently. Right. Um, and you know what? I, it, it's not something that happens overnight. It's definitely a mindset you have to adjust and adapt to. Right. Um, but I just kind of learned to not pay it as much weight as I once had. Right. Um, because it just you know, kind of makes the, the, the existence that I'm in a tad mm-hmm. bit easier. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Obviously learning to live with chronic illness, you know, obviously a lot of people that I see are sick in, well, pretty much everybody I see is sick in, in one way or another <laughs> right. or else they, yeah. mo- most of them don't come to the doctor unless they've, <laughs> they've got an issue to deal with. Right. Um, and some of those things we can solve and fix completely and they go away and they're not an issue. And some of those things we can help make better. And some of those things mm-hmm. we just have to manage really well and try and, um, you know, give that person the best quality of life that it's possible to give them. And I know that in one form or another, there's always a little bit of grieving if if it's, an, uh, you know, people have to readjust their lives to dealing with Absolutely. certain issues. And so, I mean, you know, we can jump to you got a really bum prognosis, right? It wasn't <laughs> just like, oh, I'm going to need to take thyroid medicine for the rest of my life or I'm just yeah. going to need to restrict my diet a little bit or I'm just going to need to do relatively speaking more minor stuff but but you know it doesn't affect like my lifespan and things like that and you got a bad a bad prognosis so what was you you know what was your evolution in terms of how you dealt with that or what can you share with people that that might be that they could take away i I mean I definitely think so. Like when you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. you're not expe- like you're expecting it to. Okay, here's a pill. Here, it's fixed. Right. You're not expecting to go in and have them be like, oh, by the way, you're gonna die. Um, yeah. you're gonna need to start all these meds. You have to completely change your lifestyle. Right. Um, at you know, fresh twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I even comprehended what they had told me. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, they're probably wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, like, right. oh, you know, it, it'll be fine. Like, I'll be fine. Right. I'm sure these pills will actually fix the problem. Right. I'd never been sick. You know, Um, and slowly Mm -hmm. as the disease progresses, you all of a sudden realize like, oh, shoot, I'm sick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the best thing that I did was um, I just I just went about my day. I Mm -hmm. went about my life Mm -hmm. Um, at the time. I had just decided that I wanted to get my teaching degree and, Mm -hmm. you know, was kind of like, well, I'm ready to start my life. You Mm -hmm. mean, what do you mean I have to stop? They were Mm -hmm. like, so you need to quit your job. You need to go on disability immediately. Mm. Um, You know, we're going to be just changing everything about your life. Mm -hmm. Oops. (laughs) I talk with my hands sometimes. It's okay. It's (laughs) totally fine. They can't see that uh, though. So it's all good. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think... um, I'm actually really glad I didn't listen to them because mm-hmm. I would have missed out on those years. But mm. I am on disability now. I sure. did have to quit my job. Sure. I do. I do have. I did have to change a majority of my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may actually have had a longer prognosis if I would have listened to them. Mm. But mm-hmm. um, it, me just kind of living my life until there was that self-realization that I was sick, mm-hmm. I think helped my mindset a lot. Because mm-hmm. when a doctor tells you something, like it's not a guarantee. I mean, it's sure. you know, it's sure. it's pretty. They're, they're probably pretty accurate, let's be honest. Right. Um, but like I went about, I ended up getting an online degree because I was too sick to actually go like to a four-year university. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did end up becoming a teacher. Mm. Um, I taught until the day I collapsed in class and was taken away by ambulance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was on a feeding tube while teaching and I was able to teach about disability inclusion. Um we did, you know, we learned about feeding tubes. Like mm-hmm. it was this great opportunity I wouldn't have had if I would have just stopped when the doctor said I would sure and the the thing is is yeah like I may have taken a bit of time off my life from pushing myself when I was so sick right but I really enjoyed that time right and the fact is is I was living right and the truth is is if you love something don't just sit on the couch because you're sick like do something you love because you're going to make those few years you have that much more enjoyable right um and that's going to help your mindset and who knows maybe that will balance out what you've done to your body physically by having a better mental status. Um, So, I mean, you know, there's a fine balance. Um, Definitely 
read up on your disease. Don't just go to Google and be like, scleroderma, because when I did that, literally the first thing that came up was the death sentence known as systemic sclerosis. And I was like, oh, well, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I did was I started reading medical journals. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you can find medical journals online. You just have to be, you know, kind of exclusive in your Google search mm-hmm. or whatever Bing, whatever you use. Right, right. <laughs> and um, those really helped me to see real life patients and, you know, physicians and what they say about the disease, things like that. Um, and reading up really helped me to um, balance out my lifestyle because when my doctor would say something, I'd go, oh, I read about that in the medical journal. I know what that means. Right. And I know not everyone is going to go online and read medical journals because they're confusing. Right. Um at first but like I kind of became this what I like to call like a professional patient mm-hmm. and I learned these terms and I kind of self-taught myself everything there was to know about my disease mm-hmm. and that um, gave me the ability to help other people in understanding kind of their life and helping them adjust and you know even though I wasn't able to teach my my students at school anymore I'm right. now kind of able to help patients and um you know, that kind of genre, which was awesome because I still was doing something I loved even after I wasn't able to do the thing I loved. Right, right. So just kind of finding a way to... Well, I was going to say, you know, you still are a teacher, right? It's just in a different context. Different capacity. (laughs) Right, right. And the cool thing about the web and the internet and everything is that in a way, you can even reach more people... Oh, yeah. ...than you could, than you can just by going into a classroom of whatever, 20, 30, 20, 100, yeah. you know, a couple hundred students or whatever that may be rotating through your classes, exactly. right? I actually just told somebody that, like, without this disease, I would be teaching my 20, but because of the disease, I'm literally teaching millions of people through right. my blog and my right. public speaking, and that's just, what an awesome opportunity, yeah. you know? And um, it's kind of like, it sounds so cheesy, but it's like the blessing that came out of the really bad thing was right. that I get to kind of be this like guide my friend calls me like her um like illness jedi <laughs> you know because <laughs> sure. i'm like oh like i've done yeah. this before i get it like right. unfortunately like when you're terminally ill you learn stuff really fast because right. you don't have time to take years right and so you just kind of like all of a sudden you have like this old soul and you just like get life <laughs> sounds so cheesy but it's so true sure. i've seriously sure. like so, like I have other friends, like you said, online is this great resource mm-hmm. that also have like short prognosis and whether they're 13 or 30, they just are like this incredibly wise individual. Um, and they are the coolest people to talk to because we have the most interesting philosophies for life. And I just love that. Mm. Like, tell me a story. What's, what, 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 what's a recent conversation or what's, <sighs> I mean, just like, they they just want to make like it's you know like a lot of people i think in their lifetime they just think they have all this time and they never really do anything right they cuz they're like oh, i you know i have all this time so right. i'll do that in 10 years i'll do this down the road i'll do this when i retire right. but people that are like ill and have kind of have that t- clock ticking yeah. they do the stuff in the now right. um you know they and the things they do are typically not to benefit themselves but it's to benefit those around them to leave a legacy mm-hmm. and so we're thinking more after we're gone and the mm-hmm. rest of the people are thinking what i'm going to do down the road and right. so our impact the things we do the impact is typically on a wider larger scale mm-hmm. um and it's just you know i know all these people that have started foundations that have helped thousands of families mm-hmm. or that have created awareness campaigns that have brought patients out of the dark into oh my gosh someone knows what i'm going through mm-hmm. and that's just incredible to see and they're all these people that are spending the time they have left not on themselves but to help other people right which is just incredible when they're going through so much right. already right to focus on someone else and it, it's so cool yeah I, I would say you know we don't want to trivialize it, but the but there definitely are whether you want to call it silver linings or whether you want to call it blessings. Or, right. But the, there's there's positive in any situation. There's negative in any situation. Right. So, yeah. You create your own happiness, is what I like to say. Right. Like if you're waiting for the happy life, it's not going to happen. You right. have to like put effort into gaining that happy life, and right. we just are able to do that quicker. Right. Well, you know, you don't have, like you said, you don't have time to mess with the BS. And, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> like a lot of the minutia that we all let uh, sort of take over our lives. Mm -hmm. And and yes, we put things off because it's, well, next year I'll do this and next year I'll do this. And then it's 10 or 20 years have gone by. Or, you know, they talk about the regrets of the dying and how, um, 
you know, people have said, well, I, I waited forever to do this thing. And then yeah. I never actually did it. And it's always you know? people that are like dying of old age. If you've ever yeah, noticed that right, right. they lived their whole lives and still didn't do the stuff. But right. a person that's like terminally ill or had a couple years to live, right. man, they get stuff done in those last couple of years. <laughs> like they do work. Right. And right. it's incredible, you know? And I mean, even if we're not getting like, you know, th- there's a like make a wish for young children right um and you know things that they can kind of check off their bucket list and all this stuff and they you know they they get to do all these things that they love right um and you know like like adults like i didn't i'm gonna make a wish i was a little too old for that right um but i'm doing stuff in the now that i like wanted to do it may mm-hmm. not be like going to madrid for three weeks right. but i rode a ski lift because i've never done that <laughs> <laughs> and you know like yeah. and i i you know i'm i'm traveling more than i did before because mm-hmm. of my public speaking and mm-hmm. i'm i'm living i'm honestly living more than i have in the last couple of years than i had my entire 20 years prior mm-hmm. um just because i'm just trying to fit in or really not not even to fit stuff in but to do stuff that matters i guess right um and it's it's just a really it's a really interesting lifestyle i don't wake up every morning going okay i've got like you know, five years and two months left. So I should probably do something. It's just kind of like, I'm living today. What do I want to do? And instead of thinking, oh, I'll do it next year, I just go do it. Right, right. Well, so much. And, you know, because I'm always that statement, you know, live today like there's no tomorrow. And you're kind of like, well, most of us can only kind of do that because it's like, well, then I would, you know, not pay my bills. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, like I'd be like, Heck, I'm gonna go, you know, blow all my money on right. whatever, right? Exactly. Uh, for today. But the the fact is, you know, there's a balance, right? Yeah. And I think the lesson that we're hearing is that yes, those of us well, first of all, like like you said, morbid to think about, but we all do have a terminal diagnosis. No one yeah. is going to live forever and ever and ever. Um, even if sort of the techno utopias are right and we can live you know uh stick our conscious in a computer and live forever right right, pretty much or live however long we want i know um uh one of them peter diamandis has said his his goal is to live to be 700 i just Uh, don't think i'd want to do that you know Um, (laughs) i don't think i'd want to see that much human evolution because what i've seen in my life is almost a little too much right Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah uh i i don't know um you know even if that were theoretically possible, right. um, I, I don't know how well people would do with that. You know, <sighs> yeah. um, I know it's all fiction, but you look back at some of the vampire stories and some of the these these immortals that live, you know, like hundreds or thousands of years. And, um, you know, you, you start to think if all if everyone I knew was dead and gone, if mm-hmm. everything that I grew up around with had disappeared like there was nothing i could go back to that that was an anchor point like how humans aren't built to deal with that our emotional capacity i don't think can comprehend that yeah um and and just as well like oh man that that just floated out of my brain Mm. (laughs) brain fog is is strong with this one um I don't remember. So that's, that's fine. If it, if it comes back, you can always... <laughs> if it comes back, I'll know, be like, oh, there it is. Okay, there it is. There um, we go. So let's see. I'm kind of off top topic too. We were talking about lifespan and oh, um, you know, so it's kind of trite to say, you know, live for the moment. Um, but at the same time, I think we do have to take that lesson of saying, you know, life is not all about deferred living. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so we have to balance. Yes, you have to pay your bills. And yes, you do have to plan for what the future is going to look like. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, you, you know, there is no guarantee. And so, you know, the other side of the story. So my, I know my parents had planned like what their retirement was going to look like and what they were going to do. And they had these grand plans and these grand, grand visions. And they were sort of gearing up to do that. When tragedy struck, my my mom was diagnosed with cancer. My dad had a stroke. Like their visions and their dreams yeah. never occurred, basically. And I think um, they're both past now. But when I think about where they thought the next ten or twenty years was going to take them, and their yeah. goals and their visions for what that was going to be, and how none of that ever actually happened. And it's okay, we can't control life, but if you had 
essentially put off living, put off going after the things you wanted and uh, after the, the moments that gave you joy and all of these things in the hopes that down the road you would get, you would have this magnificent life, you know, that there's no guarantee that's actually going to happen for you. Yeah, there, you know? there's there's no guarantee. I mean, like, it's the cheesy thing, like, you could be hit by a car tomorrow. Right. But it's, like, honestly true. Right. Like, you really don't know. Right. And, like, that's why, you know, all these people are, are you, you know, oh, are you saving for this? Are you saving for that? And not that saving money is a bad thing. Right. But, like, if you're not doing the stuff you love now, there's no guarantee you get to do it tomorrow. Right. So why not just live in the now? And I, I think that's something that not only you know, people that have a short prognosis should do, but something mm-hmm. that everyone should do. Because, right. you know, if you're saying, oh, well, we'll take that vacation in our 30s, right. you don't know what's going to happen in your 20s. Right. So why not take the vacation now? Like, yeah, it may, might make things a little tight, but like you said, like there's just not a guarantee what your next 20 years is going to look like. Right. And that's something that I've, of course, learned the hard way, but I'm really glad I, I, I learned it at a young age because now, you know, I'm doing the things um that i want to do and it's it's not like they have to be big things like i said my bucket list is pretty lame right um (laughs) because i didn't want to put things on there that i knew i couldn't achieve right like traveling europe for four weeks or something you know what i mean because it's financially with medical bills it's just not possible right and you know adults don't get the whole like make-a-wish thing and so it's okay so what's something that i've always wanted to do that i've just never done and i thought oh well i'll do it later in life right so like i said i rode a ski lift um the first thing i checked off was um i bought a mermaid tail (laughs) 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 online because i've always wanted to be a mermaid right so Uh i like swam in a pool with a mermaid tail and it was awesome let me tell you it was magical right Right. So like I'm doing silly little things that I can do, but like that I've put off. Right. And so I'm not doing any like grandeur, fancy trips. I'm just doing stuff that I've never done and that I've wanted to do. That's totally attainable to someone in my condition. Right. And I'm really enjoying myself. Absolutely. I took a train. Never taken a train nice. before. Yeah. I went to a concert. I've never been to a yeah. concert before. <laughs> uh, like just silly things that right. like normal people will be like, oh, well, I do that. I'm like, okay, well, I haven't. So right. why not do it now? Well, absolutely. I mean, People get into, I think, the mindset that, again, it has to be spectacular. Like, I've got to climb Mount Everest, or yeah. therefore, it doesn't count. Totally it's not doesn't worthwhile. have to. And, like, you know, it's not here about comparing. We're not trying to, like, my bucket list is better than your bucket list. <laughs> Probably everyone's bucket right, list. Right. No, 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 no. You know, so better. therefore, like, yeah. I get an A and you only get a B. Or, you know, like, right. it's like, that's just silly. You know, just enjoy what you're doing. In, it, That's it, what it, it comes down yes, to. Yes, it's what matters to you, right? right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think, and and if there's something we can learn from a lot of the from from your experience and and people with short prognoses, but also from a lot of the spiritual traditions, it's that that little things have a lot more power than yeah. uh, we want to give them credit to. We in our glitzy, glamoury society, we have to think like, well, I need to drive a Lamborghini and I need to, you know, like not only go on a vacation, but it has to be like, you know, whatever, rent my own yacht and, you <laughs> yeah. know, like all the and like if you can do that and if you want to do that, fine, whatever. Yeah, more right? power to you. But fundamentally what we hear from people who are dying or or near their death is that it's it's not about those things, right? That it's about yeah. connect, connection with others. Is this seems to be the universal uh, thing that if you spend your life acquiring uh, material things, but not sort of acquiring uh, uh, connections with others, that there's tremendous regret around that. That there's tremendous regret about not doing meaningful work in someone's life about not. Um, you know, achieving purpose or going after things, right? That those are some of the things that people universally regret doing. And it's not that, well, I didn't get to, I don't know, whatever, you know, do do some... Go um, skydiving. Go skydiving or or like whatever it is. Like ultimately, it can be great. And if people want to do that, do it. Oh yeah, fabulous. But, you know, it's much smaller things for the most part that people really, uh, that, that bring tremendous joy to our lives and that people universally regret not having done. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and I feel really accomplished when I check something off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's part of the reason that I'm not like doing these 
gigantic things that I know I can't attain because they'll just be sitting on that list until I die. Right. And, you know, doing these small things that I know will bring me joy in the now right. has like just kind of uplifted me. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, if, if you have the means to do all that stuff, that's great. Um, and the reason that we see people doing all these amazing things right before they die is mm -hmm. because they are sponsored by people or someone somehow found their story and gave them this, you know, beautiful trip or they went on the Ellen show or something. You right, know what I right. mean? And, and, you know, not all of us that are dying have right. the pleasure mm -hmm. of having that kind of, you know, attention right. and this kind of beautiful feat of humanity for right. everyone to see. Right. And so people really that are in this position that are just everyday people like myself, mm -hmm. um, you do the little things and that's never in the media. You don't realize people do that because nobody tells you. Right. Because it's not some grand thing they can put as, ooh, you know, young woman does this crazy stunt. It's, no, I just really want to do stuff that's fun. I want to spend time with my husband. I want to cuddle with my cat and watch Netflix for 36 hours. <laughs> yep. And, you know, I think my the favorite things I've done on mm -hmm. my bucket list, mm -hmm. like hands down the absolute best, mm -hmm. is meet my online friends. Mm. Absolutely. I've mm -hmm. traveled to co medical conferences, mm -hmm. to patient education days, mm -hmm. and met people that I've been speaking to online for the past five years. And that was absolutely by far the most wonderful, fun thing I have done on my entire list. Because nice. it's, like you said, it's about connections. Yeah. And yeah, like that trip might be fun down the road, you'll remember. Right. But I'd rather know that I've got friends that loved and supported me coming to my funeral mm -hmm. than okay, well, I went to Italy. You right, know what I mean? Right. And it's like, it's just this incredible, you get incredible connections when you yes. meet other people that are in your same situation because right. they're living the same way as you. Right. Um, and that's, you know, you don't often find those people. And when you do, you just already have something so sincere in common that you just click. Right, right. Absolutely. So if you don't mind me asking, why do you think, what, what do you think brought this on? Why did you get hit with a bucket load uh, full of autoimmune diseases? Do you have any, any sense? That's a really good question. <laughs> Something my doctors are still trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. Everyone in my family is actually relatively very healthy. Mm. Um, my dad and my sister do both have autoimmune mm -hmm. um, tendencies, mm -hmm. not particularly any widespread illnesses but mm. they have the kind of autoimmune diseases um like my sister has alopecia mm -hmm. um so she on and off has um uh balding yep um and then my father has um plaque psoriasis mm -hmm. um which is typically a skin condition though it can dry out the internal organs right um but both of them have been relatively mild mm -hmm. um in their cases mm -hmm. my mother's very healthy everyone going back in my family was healthy mm -hmm. um and for some reason i guess maybe my dna was just prone to autoimmunity mm -hmm. um or something passed down in genetics i really don't know sure. um i can't think of any environmental factors mm -hmm. or anything that even may have triggered this mm. um any like infections or any serious illnesses when i was little it just really mine really came out of the blue mm. um and it's not something my doctors and i have really ever been able to figure out what caused it to go so far off the deep end mm -hmm. um so you know it, it's something that i i hope to find out one day sure might be after this lifetime mm -hmm. um but i'm mm -hmm. definitely curious on what predisposed me to this mm -hmm. um but i mean I, I know that just from from medical research that mm -hmm. autoimmune like you said in the beginning is something that we put into our environment mm -hmm. um is something that's at this point just bred into our genetics because of the way we eat because of the way we the environments we put ourselves in though right. just the chemicals we put into our body and mm -hmm in so many products um mm -hmm. and unfortunately that's just the way humans live now and there's not really a way around it unless you're going to go live out in the middle of the jungle and never talk to anyone again <laughs> so you know we're, we're all just kind of this autoimmune disease nation at this point and it's really prevalent in the u.s it's not as prevalent in other places is what i've noticed right um definitely still there but just not as prevalent and so um it's, it's interesting to me um, and especially, it seems like this age group is getting it a lot. I, I know a lot of people in their 20s that have autoimmune diseases. Mm. And it makes me wonder, you know, what was going on in the 90s? <laughs> right. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't, I really don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what we, what my understanding and what we like to say is obviously genetics play a role. And for most diseases, genetics are really the background. They create yeah. a susceptibility for the disease to occur. They create the susceptibility for autoimmunity to occur, or they bias where that autoimmunity shows up for someone, right? So mm-hmm. you put someone kind of on a, under identical triggers and one person gets MS and another person gets rheumatoid arthritis and right. why probably their genetics are pushing those, the, the, you know, we always say everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. And so when the system breaks, it's always at the point of weakness, basically. Right. And so some people, um, it goes one way and other people it goes another way. Um, Certainly, you know, we live in a society now where the 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 baseline environment is not not a good one, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, um, where um, we've massively polluted our environment with loads of you know toxic chemicals and various things, and um, we're finding that many of them cause cancer, many of them uh, disrupt our hormones, many of them mess with our immune system. On like just on and on and on and on, right? Um, you know, the the base life that you were kind of just about to step into is one in which, you know, people are time crunched, so they're stressed out. Uh, they're, you know, choosing less healthy options because that is the baseline default unless people go out of their way to oh, yeah. source and find good food. To Top pay ramen, more for, Right, right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. To pay more for good food to, you know, many people now don't even know how to cook oh, anymore. No. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so they have to either have been lucky enough that their parents or, or someone passed that, those skills on to them, or they have to then go out and seek and educate themselves on these. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, people are not sleeping enough for the most part, not, you know, exercising incorrectly. Most people don't get enough exercise. Some people get too much exercise. Like, so the baseline defaults where if people don't do anything, they just kind of go with the flow, all bias people in unhealthy ways. And so... Oh, yeah. It's this issue that we've talked about before where being healthy is almost like you have to opt out. You have to have the time, you have to have the money, you have to have the education to opt out, to seek out better foods, to learn different skills, to say no to whole varieties of oh, things. Oh, yeah. You, you literally know? have to opt out of life. Like right. you, I mean, well, you, right. it's, I mean, <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a sense, you literally, yeah. I mean, it's, living a healthy lifestyle is they've made it i mean in society it's literally almost impossible right um so i mean no wonder we're all sick like even like you said like the people that learn to cook the ingredients they're cooking with are doused in pesticides right it's you know what i mean it's just it's society has made it so we literally would have to I mean, go back in time and start our own society to be away from the chemicals we've created. Well, I think, you know, so we're where we're at right now, I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that there are these real significant problems. I mean, not talking politics, but we're seeing around the world this tremendous dissatisfaction. And so obviously right. some people are channeling that in an extremely negative and harmful way and some people are trying to channel that in a a very life-affirming and beneficial way um so i think people are becoming aware of it but right now it's still very individual you either go to the internet Mm -hmm. you educate yourself you seek out a non-mainstream doctor like myself or other practitioner who educates you about these things um then you step out you stop going to or or become very selective at quote-unquote regular grocery stores and you seek out other (laughs) options and you do all these you're having to step out and do it individually i think if we truly want to change society or what's going on because what you're saying is the scary story that we're hearing like you know for me my grandparents who are now like the the couple that i have left are in their 80s and 90s have some issues but by and large were pretty healthy throughout their lives my parents generation they're in their 60s and 70s they're sicker than their parents were the grandparents right then the generation that comes before that is sicker my generation is sicker your generation is even sicker our kids are sicker (laughs) still like we're seeing this degeneration of health which is frightening it's terrifying i my great grandfather Mm -hmm. is 
94 mm-hmm. he is still kicking mm-hmm. doing fabulous mm-hmm. gotten hit by a car twice and broken both his hips like and he's still just like right he, he i mean he like no dementia no alzheimer like he is a snappy guy right and he's in his 90s and right. that generation it's just like they there's something they right. did something right right and it's weird because as you go down his daughter my grandma right was less healthy right and then it's like my mom was just a weird outlier she's just great that's great but then you know yeah. like yeah. her kids unhealthy it's it's right. weird to see that trend yeah and yeah they're like i said there's always outliers of course. um and because we do more medical research we can see more disease now than right. they could back then right but just looking at that generation right. well, why are they all still alive right. and their their grandchildren are dying before them right it's just interesting to see that kind of pattern on as we become more advanced we're killing off our livelihood right and it's it's very interesting to me um and even just the way western medicine is mm-hmm. um and you know i'm the kind of person where unfortunately um i do rely on western medicine okay. because it's the only reason sure. i'm alive no of course um no matter how much i would like to solely be naturopathic right um it's it's hard because i'm kept alive by tubes and i'm kept alive by a breathing machine and you know it's and so but western medicine they poison you to get rid of illness and it's it's so hard because you're kind of in this catch-22 you're like okay well i'm sick but i'm gonna make myself sicker to try and get better but then you get issues from the poison and you know you it's and it's at this point you're so saturated in chemicals and Mm. this kind of western medicine lifestyle Mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to get your body to accept that natural medicine and we get kind of caught up in this weird cycle and it's um it's hard because there is a lot of i I see a lot of pushback and forth between patients like a tug of war Mm -hmm. of you should only be doing this you should only be doing Mm. that and i think it takes a balance in this day and age absolutely of the western medicine and the naturopathic medicine um and it's hard and it's different for every patient sure um but i do a lot of uh quote unquote like nat- more natural ways to mm-hmm. uh curb things like pain mm-hmm. or nausea mm-hmm. or things that i know i can do without the mm-hmm. chemicals mm-hmm. well i'm a you know i mean let me just say this i'm a very integrative doctor and i'm really focused not on dogma but on results for people right and so i'm not anti-western medicine by any stretch of the imagination there's a lot of tremendous benefit <laughs> but it's extracting the good parts and trying yeah, exactly. to leave behind the the toxic pieces, the toxic, if you will, yeah. but the, ba- the stuff that doesn't serve patients, that doesn't help, that 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 is, that, you know, incorrect. And we're trying to, you know, as we're saying, like with, we, we can't, barring a huge cataclysm, go back to, you know, the way of life 10,000 years ago right. where we were, you know, more living in the present, where we were, you know, eating foods where we were really evolved for, where we had small bands in connection, where we were physically active all the time, where we didn't have all this stuff. That's not going to happen. At least I hope not because <laughs> that would be uh, really bad, right? But the the whole point of sort of the paleo movement or the ancestral health movement is can we take the lessons that that teaches us and how can we blend and incorporate the best parts of that into the best parts of what we have now like i like having a flush toilet and i like having oh, yes. you know, <laughs> Same. Hot, hot running water and yep. i like you know uh that i can you know when i'm hungry i can just get food and everything right so absolutely so you know and the same goes with medicine, the the future of medicine, that the techno utopia guys aside, that we're all going to get little, you're going to get nanobots injected, and they're going right. to go in all through your body and digest all the scar tissue and take it all <laughs> like, if that happens, <laughs> it's awesome, right, that, spectacular. Exactly. But that kind of vision aside for a moment, the medicine of the future to me is, you know, we what can we all the positive pieces like for you having you know a feeding tube so you don't you don't starve to death basically right like um having your oxygen concentrator here which i don't people may or may not be able to hear it uh in the background (laughs) the puff is me yes (laughs) Um, um how can we take those but how can we marry it with you know a baseline of returning to the fact that diet and lifestyle are the single biggest influencer of someone's health and disease that herbal medicines and nutrients and correcting deficiencies and balancing hormones and getting things 
in a range so that the human body works correctly. How can we get that as our foundation and then use these high-tech surgeries and drugs and chemos and all these other things in the correct context to you know to to build health and wellness for people so anyway that's my soapbox oh no i i love that i think the word just the word blending really stuck out to me i think that's so important i think if you can get yourself to a stable position by balancing those things that can be balanced by naturopathic and then you know with that blend of western medicine i just think that's the best way to go and it's um it's it's nice that we have those options now because right, you're seeing right. kind of that naturopathic become more prevalent now, right, which right. I which I love. Yeah, um, and people are starting to understand that it does help and that balancing right. out things like vitamins and minerals is very important. Right. And Western medicine depletes a lot of that kind of stuff, and right. so it's nice to have um, kind of you know a team of okay, well, let's focus on this, and right. then a team that says okay, well, let's focus on this. So right. I like to have very integrated. Um, an integration of Western and kind of natural medicine on my team. Absolutely. Um, and so like just personally, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, they're, you know, they're they're counterproductive, but they're really not. No. I mean, I, I really think that they can blend well. Right. It's just a matter of getting physicians who will work with each other right. sometimes. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's I think it's the best way to go. Absolutely. Well, I'm a, I'm 100% in agreement. And it's, do- you know, you're hearing dogma. You're hearing conventional western doctors say like hey what the that what those natural things they're going to interfere with our great fantastic wonderful treatments so don't right do those. and they don't for the most for part, the most part for the they most don't part, yeah you know and then you're hearing people on the natural side saying well everything over there is poison and terrible and <laughs> yeah. horrible and it, it hurts the body and never do any of those and it's like both sides need to take a chill pill here. Absolutely. Know. That's the one thing that I feel like society should invent is a chill pill. Right, right. <laughs> like a real life, just a like, no, life. really like yeah. chill. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you ever read, um, I don't know why this, I think we're talking of the future. So have you read Brave New World by Aldous Oh, Huxley, yes, right? of and course. Soma, the chill yeah, pill, yeah. In a, right? In a, that's in a not so right? good way. Like, but, yeah, uh, in a not so know. good way. But like if they were able to take that and make it, you know. Not so crazy. Right, right, <laughs> like, right. A chill pill would be useful. I really Absolutely. do think both sides just need to give a little more. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, yeah, like, I mean, there there obviously are some counterindications occasionally, but yeah. most of the time they really are a good, uh, they're of benefit to each other. Right. And most of the time it will only help you and not hinder you. Right. And um, I feel like the, the doctors practicing now that mm-hmm. are younger, coming yeah. right out of school, yeah. are seeing that more. Right. And it's more kind of... Um, you know, I've, I've got doctors in a, in a varying age group, mm-hmm. anywhere from mm-hmm. I've got doctors in their 20s to doctors in their 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it really all depends on when you were in school and exactly kind of what, what the, the fad was almost. Sure. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of my younger doctors be like, oh, you know, let's put you on this supplement. And right. I, I think that's awesome that they're yeah. integrating kind of both both sides of the medicine argument. Absolutely. And I, you know, we see that too, that generally, like I just had a patient tell me yesterday that she got a new doctor who's in her twenties, the doctor, mm-hmm. and uh, was very open to collaborating with That's me, awesome. you know, and then you'll find other, and again, not everyone, but you'll find, you know, doctors in their forties, fifties and sixties. Oh, yeah. And, and generally it's just speaking, a, it's like a hard yeah, stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a generalization. That, no, and yes. they're like, no, yeah, no, no. Um, so you know, one example I'll say, like you were talking about, you know, a bone marrow transplant coming mm-hmm. up, and and I'm not sure their protocol, but generally they're going to chemo you down to nothing. Yes. Then they'll and and we understand why they do that, and it's a necessary component. Then they'll give you uh, n- the new uh, bone marrow yes. and let it take off. Well, what I don't find they do in general is okay. So they poison you down almost to the brink of death because it's a component of what they have right, to do. Right, getting rid of that immune system. But on the flip side, they do almost nothing to rebuild your system afterwards, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like this is where the natural. For I mean, there's several stages here. Some of the natural compounds and con- components can help protect 
uh, other systems of the body and prevent some of the damage that occurs due to that chemotherapy, uh, the chemotherapy, right? Yeah, there's definitely consequences when you do a right. <laughs> bone marrow right. transplant. Right. And on the flip side too, we know some people bounce back from like, for example, from bone marrow transplants and they do really well and they kind of recover quickly and they're mm-hmm. doing well, but some people struggle really hard oh, yeah. to, to recover from that. And that's where more of these natural therapies that are that are more focused on building the body and building health and restoring balance and getting everything working right have tremendous uh, advantage. And we've seen, you know, all the time people in my profession, you know, have seen that our patients go back to their MDs and their MDs are like, wow, you're recovering so quickly. Like you're <laughs> yeah. doing so much better than I expected. Your counts are so much better. All these things are, are wow, that's amazing. And it's like, well, yeah, that's what happens when you support someone and you help their body recover and heal. Absolutely. Um, you know, and so again, you know, soapbox, my thing. But but it's very true though. But, they do. It's you know, they they essentially they that chemo puts you on the brink of death. And yep. the stem cells, the whole the whole reason they even give you back that bone marrow, the stem cells, mm-hmm. the um hematopiatic cells, mm-hmm. is to is to is to save your life like sure. that's all they're there for that's sure. the only point of a bone marrow transplant is to bring you back from death after they've killed everything with chemo right and but that's all they do and then right. they just wait for you to graft right. hope you graft right. and send you home right and um me personally mm-hmm. um because i've never really got to explore naturopathic medicine as much as i've wanted because mm-hmm. western medicine is kind of keeping me alive all right sure um after the bone marrow transplant, mm-hmm. I would like my new immune system to be heavily supported by naturopathic medicine. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, my thing is I'm going to be a fresh new immune system and I'm right. going to see, because I've done my whole life Western medicine, right. I'm going to kind of make um, a more of a heavier transition. Right. Just in, this is just my personal opinion to right. the naturopathic medicine and see what happens. Right. Because I mean, you know, it's, I literally will have a new birthday. I'll have a fresh start on life. I'll have <laughs> new stem cells, new bone right. marrow. Yes. Why not? Why not try and give them exactly what they want, right. you know? And right. so um, that's what I'm going to try and do just because I've never gone that route. Sure. And, you know, I, there's so much research into it now that um, it might just be something fun to try. And I mean, the whole point of the bone marrow transplant in this study yeah. is to try and get patients essentially off all their pills for their mm. disease. Mm. And so, and... um you know, it's basically supposed to stop progression um, of the illness and hopefully get you to a better quality of life. And right. so it's a perfect time to say, okay, well, let me give all those deficiencies I've had that my Western medicine doctors kind of aren't addressing because right. we don't really know about. They don't do those kind of nutritional panels that right. are so in-depth right. that a lot of naturopathic phys- physicians do. And right. so I'm thinking, you know, I'm brand new and all sparkly clean. Why not <laughs> see what's there, what I can do for sure. myself, sure. you know? sure. No, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, to any, you know, to anyone out there. um, So when we deal with people with autoimmune disease, we kind of put it like this, because a lot of people come to see us and their, their, you know, goal is I don't want to be on any drugs. I don't want to be on any drugs. And it's like, okay, I I understand that. (laughs) Yeah. My goal, um, and a lot of people are like, what, what, is not to get people off drugs. But my goal is to give them the best quality of life possible with the fewest drugs that are necessary. So we sort, of lay, <laughs> we sort of lay it out like a pyramid, right? Yeah. So some people, and you'll read about them on the internet, they make some dietary changes and some lifestyle changes and even very serious autoimmune diseases sometimes go into complete remission just because of that, right? Which is amazing to me because yeah. I was not one of those yeah. people. Yeah. But I've totally right. seen those stories. Right. You've seen them and they do happen. So everyone yeah. is hoping that they're those people. Exactly. And so we have to have this conversation like, okay, look, it's a great place to start. And it is mm-hmm. possible that that may completely put you into remission of your disease 100%. But there are a big segment of people and, you know, absolutely, it's, that's not enough. So then we say, okay, so we've got the, you know, and, and you can't skip it. Like you need to have a supportive diet and lifestyle that works for you. Because my experience has been a good 90% of people find that, they have dietary triggers that certain foods yeah. trigger and make their autoimmunity worse. And so by avoiding those foods, that the, the very minimum, their autoimmunity is better than it would be if they were eating those foods. Oh, yeah. I, would, right? I mean, just improve quality of life. It's, right. Every patient is so different. Yes. 
And um, I've de- I've definitely seen those patients where it's and and you know then they kind of get on the soapbox of like well if I was healed everyone can be healed right and you know I think what what patients have to remember is yeah. that everyone is different yes. even if you have the same autoimmune disease right. it can manifest into opposite directions yep. and so I um I think that I, I just I love your platform for treating a patient because yeah. you know if I went to a naturopath and they said okay well we're going to take you off all your chemo we're going to take you off your feeding tube and your oxygen yeah. I'd I'd die pretty yeah, quick. Right. Yep. And so it's nice to know that there can be this pyramid where there's this kind of balance of, okay, Western medica- medication can suppress that overactive immune system, right. but then we can build you up with these naturopathic medicines, not necessarily build the immune system, but build a healthy platform um, of the things that's all the, that are also being suppressed by those other drugs, right. you know? And right. so it's, again, just that blending, that balance. Um, sure. Because, you know, no one, listen, anyone out there who's listening who has a medical provider who is claiming that basically they have all of the answers, they know everything (laughs) in one form or another, right? And that their treatment always works. I recommend you run. Run. Because, you know. (laughs) Leave right now. (laughs) That person, it doesn't exist. No one knows everything. No treatment works for everyone it's just the reality of of what it is you can say i've helped 99 people with your condition who've gotten great results with this protocol and the 100th person is going to be they're going to do the exact same thing and not get the same results it just yeah it's the reality so we start with nutrition like that and again sometimes that's enough and then if that's not enough we build on herbal medicines on top and nutrients and things on top of that. And sometimes that's enough. So there's a good chunk of people that they find as long as they keep their diet and lifestyle in check and as long as they're using some amount, for some people a little bit, for some people a lot of different herbs and various things that then their autoimmunity is in check and they're doing really, really well. And then some people that's not enough. So then they need some amount of drugs on top of that. So maybe it's just one or just a low dose, but some people it's a lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's it, the goal is not uh, to get people off drugs. It's to give people a high quality life uh, and to control at least their disease. Now, hopefully that means to eradicate it entirely, but it means at least to control it so it's not hurting them and destroying their quality of life. Absolutely. Yeah. I think sometimes it's just to coexist with it, you right. know, because right. sometimes it's 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 going to be there, you know, like I've I've fully comprehended that my disease is not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Even if I do this bone marrow transplant, they mm-hmm. said it's not a cure. Right. It, but it, there's a good chance it will reboot my computer right. to kind of put it in like layman's terms right sure. and so you know it's i've learned to coexist with my disease mm-hmm. and um i'm hoping that as time goes on and medicine advances and maybe after this transplant that i will have to coexist with it less and less and less mm-hmm. um you know and it's it, the body's going to do what it's going to do mm-hmm. um because our environment's going to do what it's going to do mm-hmm. and it, it's really all about just figuring out how to make your life livable. Sure. Well, and I think we come back to living your life with purpose as well. And, yeah. And no one can give you that purpose. Um, it's, you know, it's something you have to discover for yourself too. Like what, you know, we can look at what generations have gone before us what the dying tell us, what our wisdom traditions say about meaningful life. And and those generalities are pretty much all true, that it's about connection with other people. It's about purpose and meaning in life. Um, But the specifics are going to vary based on each person. Yeah. I think we, each of us needs to discover that and to kind of bring it around to what you were saying before. You know, a lot of us get so caught up with our jobs and our bills and our day-to-day and traffic and <laughs> yeah. like everything else that we push off the search for that meaning. Yeah. Know, until something really dramatic smacks us in the face basically and says like, wake up, you know, <laughs> and pay attention. And whether that's chronic illness, a bad diagnosis, loss of a job, loss of a partner or or significant, you know, person in someone's life or, um, you know, a near-death experience of some kind or something, you know, a lot of times it takes a really big event to wake people up and, and make them realize it. So um, 
it's trite to say a little bit, but if we can make some of the changes without the the serious issue, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's that's. That's the best of both worlds, right? Absolutely. I feel like, you know, my my blog, while it is a lot of uh, people that are chronically ill and other mm-hmm. patients reading it, mm-hmm. I kind of hope that people that are not sick will read it and yeah. be like, oh, man, I, I got to start living. Because, right. like, if I could have lived like this before mm-hmm. I was sick, mm-hmm. I mean, I would have had... 20 jam-packed years of incredibleness right you know what i mean and it's why not have a hundred years if you're healthy jam-packed full of incredibleness instead of waiting right so it's you know i mean it is that i think the number one thing the illness teaches you and that i wish i could somehow bestow to everyone around Mm me that you just need to live and create your own happiness Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm well, I think that's a good place to kind of start bringing this to a wrap, but it's certainly something, you know, when I first met you, I could just see that you had that present focused, focused, I can't even say the word, you're <laughs> focused more kind of on the present and you definitely have a joy about you that, um, you know, you could allow to be extinguished by your circumstances, right? Yeah. You could choose to use it to be miserable and unhappy and focused on all of the bad things in life. My, right. can I share my favorite quote? Yes, <laughs> yes, please. My favorite quote, mm-hmm. um, it says, it, it's by Joyce Meyer and it says, being difficult, or wow, being negative only makes a journey more difficult. Mm-hmm. You may have been given a cactus, but you do not have to sit on it. <laughs> and to me, that just means, you know, your life situation may seriously suck, mm-hmm. but you do not have to create self-inflicted pain. You do not have to self-inflict this attitude that's only going to make your life situation even worse. And like that's what I live my life by. That's what a lot of when I go out to speak mm-hmm. for patient education conferences, mm-hmm. that's literally what I tell them. Mm-hmm. Is it's I show them this quote and I say, you know, this is important. Like do not base your happiness off something you've already lost which is your health right and do not sit on your cactus do not make your situation worse it already sucks do not self-inflict that pain um and it's just so important for not only sick people to remember but everyone to mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i can't say i could ramble on but i can't say it any better <laughs> than you said it now so thank you for joining yeah. us and thank you for you know continuing your role as a teacher right you may not be in front of your 20 students teaching classes anymore but by living your life as an example by putting your stuff out there and being public about your struggles and your successes and everything else you're helping to empower other people thank you yeah Yeah. super awesome to be on your podcast today yeah (laughs) so if people want to check out more about you hear about what's going Mm -hmm. on or read more of your thoughts where should they go the tubefedwife.blogspot.com okay or they can find me on social media all of my handles are the same it's at the tubefedwife okay um and i do actually have an event coming up Mm -hmm. um october 20th in bellevue Mm -hmm. um which they can find as well on facebook um it's called singing for stem cells Mm. doing a big karaoke fundraiser awesome (laughs) because i was like nah not a bake sale like i want to do something fun (laughs) so we're doing a karaoke fundraiser for my my transplant so everything can be found through the tube fed wife okay if you pass that on to me, I'd be happy. We'll put that up right away on our Absolutely. social media. So that'd be great. Awesome. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you to, for, to Chanel. Please follow her efforts and we'll wish her the best. And we'll definitely be checking in with her again after uh, the stem cells and seeing how everything's yeah. going. Okay. Great. All right. Thanks, folks. Take care.